strong clubs, successful athletes, supported by Georgia Swimming. This is the Thank You Thursday podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of our Thank You Thursday podcast. As always, I'm your host, Veronica Burchill. In today's episode, we are discussing disability and paraswimming from a parent's perspective. This episode is the first of a mini-series that dives deep into some educational content regarding disability and paraswimming, and we are just so excited to get it started for you all. It is such an incredible part of our sport, and we believe it is important to share all of this information with you guys and all the inspiring stories within our LSC. So today we are chatting with Brooke Kubik, a parent of a disability athlete and also our operations risk chair. So if you're interested in learning more about para and disability swimming, specifically today from a parent's perspective, be sure to keep listening. And if you are interested in learning more more. We have some awesome episodes lined up for you guys that we cannot wait to get started. So anyways, without further ado, here is our interview with Brooke. Hey, Brooke, how are you doing? Hey, Veronica, I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty well. It's so great to talk with you today. I'm so excited to talk all things, you know, para and disability swimming. Um, as kind of our, you know, start to this podcast, I'd love it if you could introduce yourself to all of our listeners and um, just give us, you know, your background with disability swimming and all that good stuff. Okay, so I am Brooke Kubik. I am the operational risk chair for Georgia LSC. Um, I've done that for about a year now. I'm a swim mom and I have been for about 10 years. Um, And I swam as a kid, um, and I use that term loosely because it was ugly, um, <laughs> for about two years until my parents finally said, oh, you're right. You're so terrible. You can just quit. So um, yeah, so that's my experience in the swim world. And um, I have five children and um, I had at one point three competitive swimmers and my oldest daughter, um, when she got into high school, kind of found other, other things that she was interested in. So she stepped away from swimming, but my two boys um, still swim competitively. That's great. Awesome. So obviously, um, you know, we're here to talk about disability swimming today, and I think it's a great topic and we're so excited to kind of highlight this aspect of our sport. Um, and you, you know, as a parent obviously have, you know, a lot of different, um, experiences with your son, Max, correct? Yes. Yes. Um, so, you know, kind of, could you talk a little bit about, you know, your son, Max, and maybe, you know, kind of what the process was like of getting him, you know, declared as a disability swimmer? Sure. So um, Max started swimming when he was, oh gosh, let's see, he was almost six. And he, I mean, competitively when he was six, he, he learned to swim when he was five. And um, I think I told him on a dare because he was terrified of swimming and he would move his face into the water. And I said, Hey, Max, if you'll swim across the pool, I'll buy you that Xbox you've been begging for. Never <laughs> met it would happen. And the kid dove in and swam. He swam a 50 and it was beautiful. And the coach was like, sign him up for the team. So, you know, he got the Xbox and he became a <laughs> So, um, yeah, don't ever bet your kids something that, you know, you're not willing to put up. So, um, we started swimming when he was six competitively and he really liked it. And Max has really got a competitive nature. So he likes to win and um, he's a smart kid. So he likes to figure out, you know, 
what, what are little, you know, niches that I can get into that, you know, not everyone else does so I can have better chances of winning. So, um, you know, he's, he's pretty competitive like that. And, um, so growing up on the swim team, um, we started off on the blue fans. It was a great team. Um, it really, you know, it was a, it was a smaller team, um, less than 200 kids and it really fostered his love of swimming. We had some great, um, you know, pre-age group coaches. And, um, so as a nine-year-old, he made his first state cut and he swam in age group states and he was really hooked on, um, on competing. And as a 10 year old, he made every state cut there was out there for him. But Max is, like I said, he's one of those kids that he finds like his, you know, where he can achieve the best in. And, and so he begged for technique lessons. And so we took technique lessons once a week. And so he really, really worked very, very hard on having great technique. And so that helped him as a 10 year old. Um, Max has, um, he has autism, he's high functioning, he has Asperger's, and he also has ataxia, which makes him, um, it took a long time to get that diagnosis. Um, we knew that there was something wrong, but it, um, it just took a while to come to that, that diagnosis. Going back to his birth, he was born with um, some oxygen deficits and in, in the NICU and so forth. Um, so um, with all that being said, I really didn't know anything about disability swimming. And um, I just figured that, you know, Max has autism and, you know, we're just going to have to, you know, and he has these issues with his like neuromuscular and we're just going to you know work with it. And um, we really got Max into swimming because when Max was diagnosed with autism, he was in first grade and um, his, the, the psychologist that diagnosed him looked at me and said, the most important thing that you can do for your kid is put them in a sport like swimming because it is a team sport yet it's an individual sport. So they feel that they're part of a team and they're contributing to a team, but it's still an individual sport. So um, I, I took her advice and she said, you know, swimming is great for kids because it really stimulates that math and science brain and, and so forth. So I took her advice and we put, her, put him in swimming and he really, really loved it. Um, it's probably the best thing I could have done for him. And, um, and so we just took off. So when he was, um, the summer between his 11th and 12th birthday, so he, um, I think he had just turned 12, it was last summer, I got a phone call from a zone coach and she said, hey, um, I know, I heard that, you know, your son has autism and he's a really good swimmer and we could really use kids like him on our zone team. Um, did you know that there are disability slots open? And I was like, I I had no idea, but we don't have like, we're not like classified as a para swimmer, you know, like we didn't, I didn't even know that was a disability. Like I didn't know, you know, I knew nothing. And she said, yes. And so she sent me some information. She said, will you please fill out an application? We would love to have a kid like Max on our team. And so I, I talked to Max first because you know, that, that first step of declaring your kid as a disability swimmer, it's a little bit scary because you know, I hear parents all the time saying, I don't want to label my kid. And I kind of felt that way at first too. Like, I'm afraid I don't want to label my kid. I don't want my kid to have that, that label. Oh, you know, here's like little Max. He's, you know, he's, he's a disability swimmer or, you know, he's, I didn't want him to feel like he was less than or not as good as. And so I talked to Max and I said, look, Max, there's this opportunity, you know, and there's disability swimming and you can choose to take this path. But if you take this path, then you have to own it. And you have to be confident in your, you know, in what you are. And it doesn't mean that you're less than, it just means that this is what you're going to do. 
And, um, and he said, absolutely. I, um, I want to, you know, I, I want to do it. He's like, mom, he's like, I've been struggling for the past year and a half to really, you know, keep up with my peers. He said, I have to work. I feel like so much harder than everyone else does just to achieve, you know, what they do. He mm -hmm. said, I just, it would be great. I feel like I would be on a level playing field. He said, that would be amazing. I, yes, I want to do it. Mm -hmm. So I let it be his decision. And from that, we never looked back. And, um, you know, I, we went to, to, to zones as a disability swimmer and he had an amazing time and, um, we met so many great people. And even in the disability world, I met, um, Ruth Ann Bodie, who's our, um, Southern, uh, sectional Southern zone disability chair. And, um, and then through, through Ruth Ann, I met Raylene Soderstorm, who is just, she's a, a force to be reckoned with in the world of disability. Yes, uh -huh. and, um, and so, you know, I, I've met, and then, you know, I, I, through that, I met Teresa Cohen, um, coach Teresa Cohen for the coming waves, who is just, um, if anybody ever has any questions or needs to know anything about disability and para-swimming, Teresa is your go-to. I mean, she is just phenomenal. And, and Max has swam with her some, and, and absolutely, we, we love Teresa. She's, she's an angel. Um, and she's probably one of our state's greatest wonders in the world of, of, of para-swimming. Um, and so, um, you know, through that and, and talking to people and working with people, I've learned so much about disability swimming and, um, and what it is and what it does and how do you become, how do you go from being a regular swimmer to declaring to be a disability swimmer and then to eventually trying to get classified to become a para swimmer. And, and so there's, you know, it's a whole process and it's very interesting. Um, and I would, you know, it, it's just, it's amazing. That's awesome. I feel like, you know, a lot of, I feel like a lot of parents maybe don't know kind of the, the different avenues that you can go through and um, different processes that can be, um, that, that you can go through to get all that, you know, your, your swimmers declared, um, you know, as disability um, athletes and everything like that. So thank you for all that. I know that, you know, that was, that was very detailed and I appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I think that, that you're right to the point of the, you know, I don't want to label my kid, all that sort of stuff. I'm sure that um, that thought is uh, very apparent with a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, parents and that sounded like a funny <laughs> phrase, but you know what I mean? And um, it really, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, when I talk about it. It's the most, it's, it's the, the thing I hear all the time, you know, I don't want to label my child. Oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to wait. We're just not ready to label him or we're not ready to label her. Mm -hmm. I hear it all the time. Is there, um, I mean, I know you said that you talked to Max and you guys kind of had the conversation, you know, is there anything that, you know, you maybe would have, um, or that you would like recommend to parents in terms of having those kind of conversations, you know? Um, you know, I, I recommend just putting all the facts out there and, you know, and, and talking to them about the different paths and just because, you know, and here's the thing. So in Georgia, the way that disability swimming is set up, it's so our LSC does it does it well. Um, we have three categories with swimmers with disabilities, and there's a P1, a P2, and a P3. And so in the P1, it's like people that are non-ambulatory, so they're wheelchair bound, they have very limited use of their extremities, um, all four extremities actually. And then P2 um, could be um, dwarfism, multiple limb deficiencies, 
Um, they're usually ambulatory with assistance, so they can be wheelchair bound, but they have a high functioning upper body. And then there's P3. And P3 um, are single limb deficiencies and visual impairments, and then um, intellectual impairments as well. So, um, and they can be ambulatory without much assistance. So your P3 is usually your, like your more of your silent disabilities because there are plenty of disabilities out there that are our true disabilities that we just don't see. So it's easy and you know, when, when someone is missing a limb or when they've had a limb amputated, um, it's, it's easy to see that you know, he or she is a disability swimmer. But when there's an athlete with autism or an athlete with CMT like Jamal Hill, who's the, you know, he's a fairly famous Paralympian um, athlete out of California. Um, he's got that swimming uphill um, foundation. Um, so he has CMT, which is a, it's a, it's a neuro, you know, it's a neuromuscular disease. Um, and then, you know, there's like cerebral palsy, mild cerebral palsy is mild cerebral palsy looks very much like dyspraxia, which dyspraxia can be, you know, a, a child with autism can have dyspraxia. So it just looks like clumsiness or, you know, um, they don't have great motor skills. So all of those are silent disabilities. And so it's, it's, you know, but the cool thing that Georgia does is that they don't make you have a, you know, if you decide to declare as a disability swimmer, it's not like when you enter a meet at the state level, so you have these disability cuts and you say, okay, I'm going to swim age group state because I qualified in eight of the events mm -hmm. and your coach enters your times in nowhere. Do you ever have to take a, a medical document and say, this is my, you know, this is my disability. Here's my stuff from my doctor declaring my disability. They take you on your word because we would hope that nobody would ever cheat and say that they're disabled. Um, so that's the really neat thing. And Georgia has, um, we're a very progressive LSC compared to other LSCs because we do have at the state level, um, at the zone level, and then even into sectionals, we have disability cuts for both age group swimmers and senior swimmers. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so in that, in that way, we're very progressive And those times, those time standards are found on our, um, LSC website. So they're easy to, to find, they're easy to, to figure out. And then you just declare like, what category do you, you know, look at your disability, whatever that is. And then what category do you fit into? And then those are your times that you have to achieve for your cuts. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know that I answered your question, right, but, oh. um, no, you did. And I think you answered a lot more questions than I was, um, than I was anticipating in a good way, because, you know, you covered so much there. And I think that was really helpful. Um, I think that, that one of the things, um, you took the, you know, the words right out of my mouth in terms of, um, oh my gosh, what did you just say about, um, the, the website stuff, the how yeah. I can go on the Georgia swimming website and you can see all that information. And, um, yeah, no, I think that that's great that you touched on that. And I mean, it, it is all really important stuff to kind of just be aware of. So, you know, anyone listening, you know, if you have, you know, a swimmer that is, um, is a disability swimmer and you haven't, you know, declared them or haven't even looked into the process, it's definitely something that you, you know, maybe want to consider because, you know, it, it's, it's helpful to them. And, you know, we, we want to, we are supportive of all athletes and, and every stage ability, age, um, skill level, you know, from top to bottom. And, you know, I think that especially as an LSC, we want to make sure that we're highlighting every single swimmer. And um, if, if that will be, you know, if that's the right move for them, then that would be wonderful. So um, sorry, you were going to say something. It's no, I was going to say, you know, the, 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 the cool thing about, 
like if you, you know, decide that, okay, I'm going to swim, you know, I, I am a disability swimmer and I have qualified for age group state with these or a senior state or whatever with these disability cuts, just because you swim as a disability swimmer at those state level or sectional level or zone level meets doesn't mean that you don't swim in regular swim meets with your club. So if you're swimming with Swim Atlanta and they go to a swim meet with Dynamo, you go to that swim meet too, and you swim there just like a regular swimmer. Um, so it's, you know, it's, you, you don't, you know, you're not swimming as a disability swimmer in every swim meet. You're still just a normal swimmer, just like everybody else. So it's, it's only, the only time that it's separated out is at those qualifying, those state levels, sectional levels, zone levels, qualifying meets, because as a disability swimmer, what, what USA Swim hopes is that you will take that path. So you will decide, okay, I'm a disability swimmer. And so I've got these state cuts or I've got these zone cuts, I've got these sectionals cuts. And then you start using that and then you find a meet. There's usually five or six meets within the US every year um, that are classifiable meets. And so there's an application on USA Swim's website, um, um, uh, USA Paralympic Swimming's website, where you go in and it's the medical classification paperwork and you go in and you fill that out and you collect all the documents from your medical records. You usually have to write up something. Um, um, I call it writing up a dissertation, but um, like we just wrote Max's dissertation and you have your doctor sign it and then you submit it and hopefully you get a spot to be classified at one of those Paris swim meets. And, um, and so then you go wherever the meet is and you um, have an appointment and they have a team of specialists that all they do is classify people and they're trained to classify people. And, um, and then, you know, hopefully while you're there, you'll get your classification, which will, you know, go anywhere between S1 and S14. So, um, so that's how it works because they want you to swim as a disability swimmer at state, at as sectionals, at zones, because that's kind of the path to then eventually getting classified and then going on to the Can-Am Games and to Paralympic trials and to hopefully the Paralympics one day. So there's a clear path that you take and all this is kind of getting you ready to hopefully one day represent your country at the Paralympics, which is, you know, it, it, it's amazing. And, and watching those athletes swim I think to myself, I never think when I, when I see those kids swim, when I see those athletes swim, I never think, oh, they're less than an able-bodied athlete. I think, oh my gosh, look at what they're achieving. Do you know how much better they have to be to achieve that than, you know, even an able-bodied athlete? And I was talking to, um, so I was talking to coach Caleb Weir just the other day, and he said that he said something profound that actually, I don't know that he knew it was profound, but it, it was profound to me because he said that, you know, he had been to the USA um, facility, training facility in Colorado, and that he always found it fascinating to go and hang out and talk to the Paralympic coaches. And um, because when he watched those athletes swim, he realized that those athletes had to hone in on their technique more than any other athlete out there, because that's what wins that's where they win. That's what decides who wins the race. It's their technique. It's not their, you know, it's not their speed. It's not their, you know, yardage garbage. It's not, it's not any of that. It is their technique. And he said that just fascinated him uh, with all the drills and the, the specialized equipment and things that they use and they do to hone their technique and their craft. So um, I thought, you know what, he's really right. That, that's true. So that was kind of profound to me.
but no, that's amazing. I mean, I, as, as an athlete that has, um, stayed at the training center a couple of times when I, when I used to swim, you know, um, there's, there's so many, you know, para athletes that are there and, um, we would always be practicing, uh, you know, at the same time as them, but just in different lanes, obviously, cause we had our own workouts and stuff. And I was always there with the team. Um, but like, I remember, you know, like I would be warming up on the side of the deck, like to get ready to swim. And, um, the, the coaches would always be on the side of the pool, like as they're doing drills and stuff, and they would do so many more drills, um, and different technique work. So you're, that's completely right. And I definitely understand why, you know, it's probably so fascinating and really, um, like it, it's another side to swimming where you pr probably learn a lot more, you know, in, in some ways. And, um, anyway, I just, I thought it was amazing when I used to go, you know, to the training center. And I think that's really cool that, you know, he, um, enjoys that aspect and, and learning from those coaches as well. Um, sorry, we got off a little a bit, a little bit of topic there, but, um, I think that this is all amazing. Um, so kind of, you know, going back to the parent's perspective and everything like that, um, are there anything, you know, any, you know, topics or different like information that you think that disability or, um, that parents with a disability swimmer should know kind of, I know you've given a lot of information, but I always want to ask. <laughs> um, so I, I really think that the, the thing that I always want to encourage parents is let it be your swimmer's decision, like present it to them, you know, sit down with them and talk to them. Um, you know, if they're unsure, there are plenty of, of local disability and Paralymp Paralympic, there's our state is full of some very phenomenal Paralympic athletes that have medaled many, many times over. Um, you know, you know, I know these, these athletes are super open and they love to talk about their sport and what they do and their path. Um, you know, reach out to them, reach out to their coaches and, and talk to them. Um, there's so many resources. We've got Glenda Orth, who's been in the para world for years. Reach out to Glenda, Teresa Cohen. There are so many people that, um, you know, coaches at Dynamo that have coached para and so forth. So present it to your swimmer and let it be your swimmer's decision if that's what they want to do, because ultimately it's your swimmer that's having to go out there and work so hard every day and put in the hours and hours of training and hard work. It's not you. And don't, don't see it as, as being less than, because it's not less than, it's just a different path. And, you know, we're, we're all different. And, and that's the beauty of it is, is that, you know, we, it's just using our talents, um, you know, that, that we were given in a different way. And so I just really highly, I would really encourage parents to just sit down with their swimmer and let it be their swimmer's decision. And, and, and don't put the, I don't want to label them. Don't, don't put that on them because we're all labeled every single day. Every single one of us is labeled, you know, you're labeled as a Karen or you're labeled as there's that mom. Oh, she's that, you know, she's a swim mom or, oh, she's every one of us is are labeled. So, you know, if we're already labeled, then give us the proper label. So if that, you know, if that's what they want to be, so let them choose their path, let it be their decision. And, you know, and, and because let's face it, these times that, you know, if your kid really has a disability, these times and these cuts, they're not going to be five and six years old 
you know, when they're having to make this decision, they're going to be probably middle school, junior high age and let them, you know, let them decide. And, you know, there are plenty of our Paralympic athletes who are just as fast, if not faster than the majority of our, you know, of our able-bodied so, um, you know, I can think of a, a great backstroker right now, you know, Gia Fergalini, um, I'm not going to say her, her last name right, but um, Gia is, is a phenomenal backstroker. She's fast for an able-bodied swimmer, much less for a visually impaired swimmer. So, um, you know, just because you choose to swim in that path, that path doesn't mean that you're not a great athlete or a fast athlete or whatever. So let it be your kid's decision and, you know, and, and, and don't put that don't take that from them. Let them decide. I think that's great advice. I think that, you know, there's like you, like you just, you know, talked about a lot. I think that there's, there's a lot of, yeah, everyone is labeled every single day for things. And I think, I, I think you said it best when you said, you know, let it be the right one. So I think that's great. Um, is there anything that you wish you would have done differently in the process, you know, of getting Max kind of um, declared as a disability athlete or anything like that? I wish I had known earlier. I wish, <laughs> I, I wish I had known earlier. I wish I had, um, I wish someone had, you know, pulled me aside earlier. I wish that people weren't so scared to talk about it or scared of offending other people um, because it's not offensive, um, you know, to me. And maybe that's because I come from a science world. And so everything is, is very black and white, you know? So it's not offensive to me because, um, you know, I, I'm not, it's not when someone said, oh, your son has autism or, oh, your son has ataxia, you know, that it doesn't mean it, to me that they're less than, um, you know, it's just, yes, these are the facts. He does. This is, you know, something we, we, you know, we live with every day. So I wish that I had known earlier and I wish that people weren't so scared to talk about it and afraid of offending people. Um, and I, you know, you shouldn't be. So um, I wish that coaches I wish that more coaches knew about the, these paths, this disability path and this para path. And we have some great coaches that, um, that, that do know. And, and we have some great coaches that would, would love, love to learn more. It's just that, you know, and unfortunately it's hard. Yes, the information is out there on USA Swim and, you know, on USA Paralympic Swimming. And, and there's, there's courses and there's PowerPoints and there's all sorts of educational material that people can read. But we're all so busy and it's all, you know, I mean, the, you know, coaches in general, it's a hard job and, you know, oftentimes a thankless job and, you know, it's not always a, a high, you know, high paying job. So these coaches have a lot on them just with their, you know, their quote unquote, you know, regular normal swimmers, um, much less trying to learn the disability and Paralympic world. I, I just wish that it was, I wish it was pushed more in basic coach education training because, um, you know, especially think about cognitive children. So kids with autism, kids with autism spectrum disorders. Um, one, the statistics were, you know, a few years ago, it was one in 54 children were diagnosed with autism every day. Now it's, it's in the one in 48. And I believe that as we continue on, it's going to become more and more. And, you know, for several reasons that I won't even go into. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's, we have a lot, we have a lot of children in our LSC um, that could qualify as disability swimmers that would give them a real path, um, you know, to become competitive. And the more swimmers that we have that say, you know what, 
I, I want to be, I want to declare myself a disability swimmer at state. I want to go and swim state. Then, you know, if we can get a lot, then we start having, you know, event 161 might be the regular boys, 16, 13 and 14 year olds, 16, 53. And event 162 might be the, you know, the disability or the, you know, whatever category boys, you know, 13 and 14 year olds, 653, because I, these athletes, they want to compete together, you know, they, and so the more we have and the more recognition and the more we push and the more start to join this world, then the more competition we have, um, you know, and so it's not like they feel like they're all, out, all, you know, out there all alone on an island. There's others with them. When we went to zones, there were several other states that did a great job in getting disability athletes to come, but there were so many states that came up to me, their coaches came up to me because I'm an official, so I'm on the deck all the time. And they come up to me and say, hey, your son is Max. He's a disability swimmer. Tell me about that. How did, you know, how do you guys get disability swimmers here? And oh my God, I had no idea. So it's just, I wish that, I wish that there was more education and I wish it were standard practice for these coaches to get more, you know, education. For sure. um, yeah. So I wish I'd known earlier. And, yeah. and I just caution you that like, if this is the path that you want to take, talk to your coach about it, you know, and, and, and you know, talk to them and say, okay, my, my child has this is their disability and you know this is how he sh he or she is and you know are you willing to coach a child like that you know mm -hmm. is this something that you're willing to take on because i mean i'm not going to lie um it's not always a huge difference but th there are times that things have to be modified so you know if you had a, a, a if you had a swimmer that was um you know dwar a dwarf um or suffered from you know had dwarfism then they would you know, you might have to take the intervals down to if everyone else is swimming at 200 IM, they would swim with 75 or so forth. So you would modify the sets to fit, you know, within their own, you know, ability. But we do that in school every day. So if we can do that at school, if, if a teacher can do that at school and provide accommodations for students and not just students with disabilities, but gifted students as well. So if we can provide accommodations for you know, students that fall under the special education umbrella, be it albeit gifted or a student with a disability, then why can't we do that as a coach? So that's mm -hmm. what I caution parents to to have open and honest conversations with your child's coach about what their you know what their disability is, what it's like, how it affects them. These are some things that we can do, and then you step back and you be the parent and let them be the coach and yeah. let them you know. So don't try to jump in there every time you think that your kid is, you know, step back, let them coach because they're going to learn mm -hmm. and they're going to get a relationship and work together. For sure. I was going to say that, you know, the education piece, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a big part of why we're, you know, highlighting it in this, you know, little mini series on the podcast is because, you know, it's an important aspect of our, of our sport that, you know, we really think that, people not only in our LSC, but in USA Swimming as a whole can benefit from hearing about and getting different perspectives within, you know, the parent disability swimming community. And um, because, you know, it's all, it's all USA Swimming. It's all USA Swimming. So, um, you know, it's important for people to be aware of it and, um, and, you know, and, and not only be aware of it, but be knowledgeable and mindful and, and, um, so that they can apply it to their own lives if that's, you know, if that's applicable. Um, and so, yeah, no, I think that's great. Um, you know, I think as we kind of go throughout the series, it's, it's definitely important that, you know, we're 
educating people about the, you know, the different sides to, um, to uh, para and disability swimming. So um, I'm really happy that you could be on today to kind of talk about, you know, the parent's perspective and um, also slightly as a, you know, official and everything like that. Um, so, you know, before we sign off today, is there anything else that you wanted to add before we, um, before we ended? Yeah, I guess, you know, uh, the, the one thing that I wanted, I mean, there's probably a couple of things. Um, <laughs> I think that, that USA Swim, I guess in, in closing, I would really like to see um, USA Swim and our LSC and other LSCs um, really come together. And so I, you know, I, when I look at things, you know, so we're, we're, we're all in the same body of athletes, but we're still separated out. And I would like for, you know, it to be separate, but equal. So if you've got kids that, you know, that are your normal competitive swimmers, you know, you've got your motivational times that are, you know, like your B times, your double B, your A, your double A, quad A, triple A, and so forth. And so with those, you know, a lot of clubs give, you know, tangible rewards. Some clubs give different cap colors. So if you're a triple A, you get a red cap, or if you're a quad A, you get a black cap. And then our, our own LSC, awards, you know, swimmers with, you know, quad A times um, and above and futures and, and, you know, and junior nationals and so forth and Olympic trials with, you know, the um, all-star towels, which are great. Um, and I wish that I would see USA Swim come out with motivational times that mirror, you know, those for disability swimmers in, in those classes. And I, I think it could be done. Um, and I know that, you know, just because one swimmer has autism and another swimmer has autism doesn't mean that they look the same. So I get it that all, you know, there's no, you know, there's no one, you know, not all disabilities are the same. So I, I get that, but I do think there's a way to do that. And so, you know, that, that's one thing that I wish, you know, and so when, when we have like zone teams don't separate, you know, put them all on the same page or all the same athletes, they should get the same recognition. Um, you know, and then I, I, I wish that, and I guess selfishly, because my son is very interested in open water and he's an avid open water swimmer, I wish that USA Swim would put back um, para swimming in open water. So, you know, para, para used to have an open water swim and they took that away and, you know, they had, you know, so I would like to see those things brought back and even a, you know, a, a para nationals for like open water, you know, and so forth. So I think there's things that, I think we have a long way um, to go. I think that Georgia has done a great job and we have a great start because we're very inclusive. Um, I think that the age group committee and the senior committee have done a phenomenal job, you know, bringing those disability standards in line and then, you know, putting them in place on, you know, senior state and age group state. And I applaud them. And I, I applaud those coaches for recognizing that those are important things to do. Um, I just, you know, I, I would like to see that mirrored all across the board. And I just would like to see um, more open conversations and, um, you know, and, and, and start talking to other, you know, that the biggest, the, the way that I've learned the most is just by reaching out, just reach out to people because those people like Glenda and Teresa and, you know, and, and others in our LSC that know so much about para and disability swimming, they love to talk and they love to help. And that's the one thing you'll find in the para world is that nobody gets through that world on their own. It's parents helping other parents. It's, you know, someone turning around and giving the next person a handoff. 
And, and that's the greatest thing about that community is that everyone is so willing to help because it's a difficult community to navigate. It's a difficult world to navigate. There's so many rules and there's so many different hoops to jump through, but it's also, um, it, it really shows you um, the, <clears throat> it, 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 another side of humanity, you know, the, the side where people want to help each other and they want to build each other up and they cheer for each other and they cheer for each other's athletes. And, you know, it's, that, it's truly that statement of we rise by lifting each other. And, and, and that's kind of what it is in, in, the, in the para and the disability world. So I, I love that. And I would love, you know, if anyone ever has any questions, feel, please feel free to, to email me. I can, I probably won't have the answer, but I could certainly help you find it. Yeah. So. Um, would you like to, um, I will, you know, I will put in the description um, your email, if that's okay with you. Sure. Um, um, I'll get that from you, which email you prefer to be on there. But um, yeah, I think that that is really, I mean, that's some great closing points. I mean, you know, obviously it's, it's exciting that there's a lot of change that still can be made because I think that just means that like, we're at a good point, but we can always be better. Um, and, you know, kind of looking at it from like a very positive standpoint, it's like, you know, how much more can we continue to do for these kids and these athletes? So um, yeah. I, I think that that's wonderful. Um, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being on today, Brooke. You were a joy to talk to and you're clearly so passionate about it. And I'm, I, I think that it's wonderful to have your perspective. Thank you so much, Veronica. It's people like you that make our LSC a better place. So thank oh, you. Thank you. You're too sweet. Um, thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of our Thank You Thursday podcast. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the podcast, please send an email to veronica at gaswim.org. That's veronica, V-E-R-O-N-I-C-A at gaswim.org. Or connect with us on our social media accounts where you can find all the links on our website at gaswim.org.